Today's reading is from Luke chapter 11, verses 1 to 13. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation. Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose... The one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door's already locked, and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of your fathers, which of, sorry, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then... Though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Thank you. Thanks, Val. I felt awful. Val was, I could see she was still praying. <laughs> and I had to interrupt her to do the Bible reading. Uh, we're continuing in our series in prayer. Uh, last week we looked at understanding prayer. This week uh, we're looking at learning prayer. It's, look, for some of you this might be quite rudimentary and fundamental, but if we don't visit this, we kind of forget. And so uh, I'm not, I'm not going to preach from, uh, from this passage that was just read. I'm actually going to preach from Matthew, where the other account of Jesus giving the Lord's Prayer is. It's a little fuller. Uh, but obviously both passages uh, have a great deal uh, to say to us. Uh, now in Kandanara, which I talk about almost every week, uh, I have a mate who uh, has three helicopters. His name's Paul. Uh, I know I've talked to you about Paul before, but uh, he was very generous with Ellie and I with his helicopters and he would take us out quite regularly. Uh, I tell you what, if you want to see the Kimberley, you get in a helicopter. Um, I, uh, I had one experience where he took us to, he'd, he'd flown over a waterfall, he basically grew up there, so he'd flown, grown, uh, flown over a waterfall and he'd never seen it before. And so he decided that he wanted to bush bash and actually go to that waterfall. And so he took Ellie and I there and found a place to land the chopper and we just bush bashed to this, uh, this beautiful waterfall with a great pool at the bottom and the rest of it. And on another occasion, uh, Steve Fraser, I don't know if you've heard of Steve Fraser, He's almost—he's like the Ken Duncan of the Western of Western Australia. 
He's a wonderful photographer, works for National Geographic, also a very faithful Christian man. He came up for a week to do photography. And, uh, and, uh, and Paul took him around for a week. And on one of those days, we went down. And I can't tell you where it was. It was around the Bungle Bungles. And there's a special spot there uh, where there's a, a pool of water just in the middle of effectively the desert that goes 100 metres uh, down. It's a very sacred spot. And we went there uh, for a day. Uh, I went overnight heli fishing, catching barramundi with Paul. It was a very, uh, very blessed time, I have to say. Um, see, one of the privileges of flying the helicopter is you see things that you didn't even know existed really. You, you have insight into things which others will never know. You, many of you have travelled through the Kimberley, but I can tell you that I've seen things from the air which you will uh, probably never uh, understand because it's just remarkable. But I don't really want to talk about the Kimberley, <laughs> even though I could all day. Uh, I want to talk about the helicopter. Uh, see, Paul's got a helicopter, and, uh, and he, che- he has to do a check every time he goes out. One of the things about helicopters, they look quite fragile. And, um, and, and he checks things like uh, whether the blades have the right play and the right tension in them. He checks whether the ball joint uh, on the rotor head is okay. He checks whether the vert- vertical play on the main shaft is okay. He checks the elevator level for side play, whatever that is. I don't even know what that is. He checks uh, for boom integrity, straight, uh, it has to be straight, no dings, and the belt needs to be tight. He obviously checks the fuel level. And one of the critical things when we go out with Paul on his helicopter is he weighs us and he weighs every single thing that goes onto that chopper because he needs to know exactly how much weight is on that chopper because it's going to affect how he flies it. See, prayer is very similar when it comes to those checks. See, prayer opens up, just like a helicopter opens up a whole land you didn't know, prayer opens up a whole side of your relationship with God that if you're not praying, you will, it will be like being in a, in a little apartment, uh, just playing around thinking that that's the whole world. You get into the realm of prayer and the whole of God will just open up to you. Uh, it's, it's quite remarkable. But in the same way, when we pray, we need to really do two main factors. We, we need to consider two main factors as we come to God in prayer. Now, today we are talking about learning prayer. And the first thing we have to uh, consider is the person, ourselves. So the person of prayer needs to actually consider themselves. And secondly, we need to consider how we practice prayer. See, in Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 to 15, Jesus addresses with his disciples and teaches them to pray, just as we saw in Luke. But he comes at it, uh, Matthew's record uh, very much uh, talks about two types of things that we need to check, the person and the prayer itself. So let me pray, and then we're going to have a look uh, at Matthew chapter 6, if you've got your Bibles there in a little more detail, and I'll have it up behind me. Uh, Father God, thank you that we can come and continue to talk about prayer. Thank you that you are sovereign and you're in control of all things, and right now your Holy Spirit is with us. And we pray now that you will convict us of how to pray. You'll convict us of the need for prayer, and you'll convict us 
of just the importance of us to check ourselves before we come to pray. So, Father God, give us insight now. Give us some practical wisdom. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So last week we looked at understanding prayer. And if you cast your mind back, we discovered uh, that prayer, regardless of what your faith is, regardless whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, whatever it is that you has drawn you to prayer is based on the knowledge that you have of God. Okay, so Romans says that uh, God's power and his divine nature has been revealed to everyone and it's your encounter with this divine nature and his power in creation that actually triggers people to pray. So that limited knowledge, we call it general revelation, is available to everyone and in, at the end of the day, all prayer is in response to thinking there must be a higher being or something. But we learnt that as Christians, we've been blessed with the, with the Bible. We've been blessed by God's revelation of himself in detail, his character, who he is. And because of that, and because of the Holy Spirit, when we come to Christ lives in us, we can know God on a whole other realm. We don't just think of him as some power. We think of him as a person and who he actually is and how he's revealed himself to us. So we are able to pray personally to him and with more alignment to his will. So in this understanding of prayer is important as we go into thinking about learning prayer. And particularly these two things, the practice of prayer, the practice of prayer and the person of prayer. And we're going to look at the practice of prayer first. No, sorry, the person of prayer first. Now, I just want to read you from uh, Matthew chapter 6. Hopefully that's not too small. Uh, anyway, Ma Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 to 8. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to sta pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father, who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Now I emphasised Father, because that is the difference here. We have a Father that we're going into. But notice here, before Jesus talks about the structure of prayer and talks about how to actually put a model of prayer together, he focuses on the person. He effectively says here, check your motives for praying. And he used two, uses two examples here. He uses the example of the hypocrites. Uh, the hypocrites, he says, don't be like them. Verse 5. See, the motive of the hypocrite wasn't ultimately to speak to God. And maybe you've come across someone who prays like this. They seem to be kind of talking to everyone else around them. They, they, they're addressing it to God, but it's really information they're trying to give to everyone else. Or they're, they're praying in a certain way, which seems to be... Well, I'm not sure who you're praying to, but... I'm very impressed by this amazing prayer of yours. 
So he says that the reason the hypocrite prays was to show everybody else how religious and pious they were. So the problem Jesus is highlighting isn't that praying publicly is a problem, but what is your motivation for praying publicly? See, it should be to speak to our Heavenly Father, not to show yourself off to others. You need to humble yourself. If you're one who likes the praise of others, then maybe this is a good test for you. Does your prayer life out in the open reflect the same thing when you close your door to your house or your bedroom? Or are you just praying in public these amazing prayers, but behind closed doors where no one else is seeing, you're not praying at all? See, do you always need to announce to people that you are praying for them? Have you, you, like, I think it's good for us to share prayer and to ask people what I can pray for. But I think there are times where it's like, oh, what can I pray for you? I'll be praying for you, but it never happens. You see, prayer can be used to create a status for ourselves. Oh, they are great prayers. Oh, they're always asking me what they can pray for. But it means nothing. It's just hypocrisy if you don't close your door and spend time praying for those things. So perhaps your motives aren't so pure, Jesus is saying. And he's saying you need to check yourself first. Don't bother praying if you haven't checked your motives for praying. And then he talks about the babbling pagan. I've uh, prayed with some babbling pagans, I think, in my time. Not in this church, so don't worry. Don't all go, oh, is that me? No, no, I've, I've been in certain situations where people just keep going on and on and on and on and on and, and, and they keep going over the same thing and the same thing and the same thing and you're going... Uh, firstly, do we get a chance? But secondly, okay, I, I'm pretty sure God heard you the first time. And that's effectively what Jesus is saying here. God hears you the first time. In fact, he goes beyond that and he says that he knows what you need before you even pray it. See, babbling pagans, they, they thought that uh, in their day, that the more that they prayed, they would eventually get access to God. They just had to keep going harder and harder and harder. Well, we don't need to do that. Why? It all comes back to this word, Father. See, other religions don't know God as their Father. They know him through the general revelation and other revelation that, uh, that they may have created to try to fill in the blanks. But we are in a privileged position. We say, Abba, Father. And so we don't need to babble away. We come to our Father and we say, this is what I'm praying. And you pray. He already knows anyway. But you come to him as your Father because that's what relationships are built on. So check your motives for praying, Jesus is saying. And secondly, he says the, prayer, the person of prayer needs to humble themselves. Uh, humble yourselves. Augustine uh, of Hippo. Uh, hopefully you've heard of Augustine. He was one of the great theologians of the early church. And much of our theology uh, and our understanding of the Bible we can attribute to him today. 
Uh, he was a great, a great uh, father of the church, you could say. Well, Anicia Fautonia Proba was a noblewoman in Rome who came to believe in Christ, and she also had the privilege of knowing Augustine. Now, she would write to him, and he would write back, and we, we have a couple of letters that have survived that. And uh, one of the responses was to her worry that she wasn't praying as she should. Now, Augustine responds with a letter entirely devoted to prayer. And he begins by dealing with the problem of the person uh, and before the problem of prayer. And he tells her this. He says, you must account for yourself desolate in this world, however great the prosperity of your lot may be. And she was a well-to-do uh, person. Now, Tim Keller quotes this in his book about prayer, and he says, The scales must have fallen from your eyes, and you must see clearly that no matter how great your earthly circumstances become, they can never bring you to a lasting peace, happiness, and consolation that are found in Christ. Unless you have that clearly in view, your prayers may go wrong. Now, the reason I bring this up is I think one of the great barriers we have is the view that we have of ourselves when it comes to prayer. And it's tied in with this hypocrisy. It's tied in with the, with the hypocrites and the pagans. We somehow think that we are powerful in prayer. And I think this is something that we have to get really right. We come broken. We come as sinners just because we have accepted Christ and just because God has called us out of the darkness, regenerated us, it is all a gift of grace. It does not mean that we are somehow uh, able to come to him in power that's of ourself. The power that we talk about in prayer is his power. The reason prayer is powerful is because he is powerful. Now, I, I want to emphasize this because... You read a lot of these books called The Power of Prayer. Well, actually, it's the power of God that is accessed through prayer. See, the power is God's. It always has been. And if you do not come with the right view of yourself in mind when you come to your loving Heavenly Father, that you need to humble yourself and come to His feet and, and not plead but you come knowing he is the master, he is your father, he is the one who has power to act. And you don't have to plead, but you present your request before God. See, this is highlighted in the parable that Jesus gives in Luke 18 of the Pharisee and the tax collector that went up to the temple to pray. Hopefully you know it. The Pharisee, well, he goes up and he stands and he puts his hands out and he looks up to heaven and he says, Thank you, God. God, I thank you that I am not like other men. Those robbers, those evildoers, those adulterers, even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all I get. Thank you. And off he goes. He's missed the point of himself and why and how he needs to come to God. And then Jesus says, the tax collector, well, in contrast, he stood at a distance. He wouldn't even look up, but he's beat his breast. And he says, have mercy on me, a sinner. Now, I'm not saying we wallow in our sin and we don't accept the grace and the victory. 
but I say we have to understand the humility in which we need to come before our Heavenly Father. We don't control Him, He controls us, and we are open to whatever answer that He brings to us in prayer. Well, John Calvin, I'm going to take you back uh, several hundred years uh, today. He, he, he said this. Let me see, I missed a few here. He said this. He said, We must come to prayer so moved by God's majesty that we are freed from earthly cares and affections. What he's saying is that just cast everything off and recognize who you're standing before and who you are before him. A saved sinner who has been saved by his mercy and grace. So the person of prayer. The person of prayer. Check your motives for praying. Don't be like the hypocrites. Don't be like the pagans and humble yourself. Seems like a funny place to start when we're learning to pray. But I tell you, there's no point in learning a model of prayer unless you've thought about the person. And in fact, when I went to Bible college, I, I, the, first college uh, the first course I did was a year certificate of preaching. And I spent the first uh, three months of that year frustrated because you know what it was about? The character of the preacher. I was like, I just want to learn how to preach. And they just drilled me and drilled me and drilled me until I realized that there's no point in preaching unless your character is in place. So the character of the prayer, the person of prayer, always keep yourself in check. Well, that brings us to the practice of prayer. And I'm actually not going to spend a lot of time on this, as silly as this may seem. But let me read to you, uh, let me just read to you from uh, Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 uh, to 14. This then, Jesus says to his disciples, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts or sins as we have forgiven our debtors or sinners. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So it was common practice in those days that, uh, that a disciple would ask their teacher to learn a practice of whatever it is that they were following him about. Uh, and so when we come to the Lord's Prayer, uh, I've got a mate, and I might have mentioned it last year, all he did, he's from a very strict Reformed church in, uh, in, in, in Holland, and when they, came to, uh, when they came to Kununurra, all they did was pray the Lord's Prayer. That's the only prayer, before meals, after meals, whenever they said they would only pray the Lord's Prayer. But that's not what's happening here. This is a model. It was very customary to give a model and an outline of what prayer would look like. And we know through all the scriptures, there's lots of varying prayers in, in there. But this model, if we can stick to this common practice uh, that Jesus put into place, it goes right back through to church history uh, now, it's not a prescription that we must pray it, although it's good to recite it. If you don't know what to pray, pray the Lord's Prayer. It's a great uh, way, and we don't recite it in church, mainly because we're not Anglicans, but, uh, but you know, um, I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all. And in fact, maybe we should recite it. Um, I haven't got it up on a screen, so we won't do that today. But I just want to highlight the four main areas here. 
Okay, the four main areas are praise, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You cannot go wrong starting a prayer by adoring and praising God. Just praise him. And it changes your mindset. You actually remember the things that he's been doing. And you might be going through the worst of times. You start with remembering some of the good things that God has done and it will help you just check yourself as you go into that prayer. So this might be things like, I praise you, Lord, for the way that you have brought me from darkness to light, for my salvation. Or I praise you that uh, Zeke's first week at school went well. I praise you that, uh, that the congregation hasn't sucked me yet, you know, whatever it is. No, maybe a positive prayer would be better. But, you know, it just praise. Praise you for the birds, what we see, the creation all around us, the beautiful mountains. I adore you. Thank you that you've given me your word. Thank you that you are faithful, that you are steadfast, that you're abounding in love, that you are compassionate, that you have not exercised your justice and righteousness across the earth, but in your forbearance you have allowed us. Father, thank you. Uh, for the things that you've given me, my daily bread even. Then we go on to uh, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Now, if there's anything that we have missed, I think, in the Christian life in this last century as as it's unfolded, I think we have. Uh, I think we've gone away from confession. I think. I think we need to confess more. And if I would encourage you to do anything, it would be to confess in your prayers. Forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. So we all have something in need of forgiveness for each and every moment. We don't have to wallow in it. We have been set free. We have been forgiven. But confession and coming to God and saying, Lord, I acknowledge you have seen all things. He knows what you, what's going on anyway, but to confess it and to ask forgiveness is that release. Forgiveness by its very uh, meaning in the root word is to release. You will be set free. You will be released. But it doesn't just relate to God. It relates to each other as we have forgiven those who have sinned against us. This is so critical to the, op- to the, to the healthy church, to a healthy uh, life. If you can't acknowledge your contribution to something that's wrong and confess it and forgive others for their wrongs of you, then you are carrying that and that will affect that relationship forever until you release them. Now, we're going to talk about these at more length one week at a time at the end of this series, so I'm not going to dwell on that. And then we have petition. Give us today our daily bread. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This is where you say, Lord, please, and you lay your requests before him. Pray for yourself. Pray for others. Pray for the world. Get your mind out of your world and into the world around you with your requests. 
And we've got thanksgiving for the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours now and forevermore. Be thankful. This ties in with adoration so clearly. And usually if you want a model, just go, Dear Heavenly Father, I praise you for, I thank you for, I acknowledge and confess my sin and I ask your forgiveness. Please, and put his requests. You'll notice most of my prayers are like that. Not because it's anything spectacular, but because if you've got that balance, the problem is, is when we dwell in one area, we tend, to, uh, we tend to then get our relationship with God out of balance. So if we're always praising, we're not acutely aware of the spiritual wasteland that around, that's around us and needs Jesus. If we're always petitioning, we're no longer relating to our Father, but just asking him for stuff all the time. If we're always confessing, then we're perhaps self-centered and we've never grasped the fullness of the forgiveness that comes in Christ. If we're always thanksgiving, then we're possibly missing the mess in other people's lives and world. We need all those things. It's a great balance and that's why Jesus has given it to us. Now behind me uh, is not a cage and it's not... A jail for those sinners of our congregation um, which I would be behind first but um, this is something I, we f I found hidden away that the youth group used to use many years ago and I'm stealing it uh, so that's the first confession uh, but basically it's prayers and answers and there's little pegs on here there's pieces of paper in here there are pens and there's more pegs down there now I'm going to put this in the foyer and you can write anything you want. It can be an adoration, it can be a confession, although if you're going to do that, I'd, I'd suggest you make it anonymous. Yeah? But if you want to confess, come and see me, that's okay. Uh, but it's not always ideal for the whole, whole of the world to know uh, what's going on, but that's up to you. Uh, Thanksgiving, it could be uh, a petition. And so if I write, you know, thank you, Lord... for our teachers. I'm very thankful for the teachers. I've got two boys who are now in kindergarten and year one. I just want to praise God that the amount of work that the teachers do and how hard it's been this year, and I'll just peg that up there. That's going to be in the foyer. And then you might have prayer requests and maybe you've got answers and you, you, you want to write, thank you, Lord, that you answered the prayer for. Now, this seems... Uh, I don't know what it seems, but for me, I think it would be good for us to get into a practice of sharing our prayer. And if you've got specific prayer points, put them up there, and I will guarantee that they will be prayed for. I will pray for them. I know that when the women meet, they would love to pray for them. Now, when I got this out this morning, um, well prepared, there were all these that were still on there from the youth group from about 2017, I think. Pray for those who don't know you in Australia and the unreached people groups around the world. Show me where to go and empower me to follow. For my teacher going to Qatar in six weeks. Praise God for Beryl. Persistence in developing a deeper relationship with God, prayer and reading the Bible. Like, if the youth can do it, why aren't we doing it? 
There are all sorts of prayer and praise points. Praise for the youth group. Praise for the leaders. Praise. I went through them all this morning. I read them all. Uh, My brother doing the HSC. Lots of changes happening at the moment. Pray for steady faith and clear pathways. Like these are coming from our youth. You know, and we all can pray those things. They are wonderful things and it gives us an insight into our hearts. So we can be praying for each other. So I'm going to put that in the foyer and I'd love you to put something on there at some point. That's all I'm going to, that's just the practical kind of thing. Um, over the next week we're going to look at deepening prayer. We're going to look at some prayer practices, fasting and meditation, things like that, which, uh, which can be very helpful tools to be able to, to just draw into a, into a nice place with God and, and just a reflective place and to hear his voice and listen. Uh, so we'll look at that next week. But let me leave you again uh, from, is this going to work? Yep. From uh, John Calvin. No? Yep, John Calvin. Our prayer must not be self-centered. It must arise not only because we feel our own need as a burden, uh, we must lay upon God, but also because we are so bound up in love for our fellow men that we feel their need as acutely as our own. To make intercession for men is the most powerful and practical way in which we can express our love for them. I hope that at the end of this week we are all praying. We are praying regularly. We are praying purposefully. And I want you to start that this week. Take the Lord's Prayer. You can find it in the Bible, so it's not hard to find. Get the Lord's Prayer and start praying through it. And where it says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, say that and then say more things. Uh, Your kingdom come, your will be done. Say that and say more things. Talk to God about more things around that. It's a simple and effective tool. And if you've got nothing else to say, just say that. Because it covers over many, many things. So let me pray and, uh, and, and we'll finish with a song. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we adore you, Lord. We praise you. We praise you that we can freely stand up or go behind our closed doors and pray to you. We're not under threat of persecution, Lord. We are so welcome to pray in this country. We're under no threat, yet we don't so often. And so, Father God, I pray a great thanks that, for, that, uh, for that freedom that we have in Christ to practice without fear of uh, physical threat or persecution. Father God, we come before you and we acknowledge that we have not done all that we should have this week. And Lord, I pray that each of us will bring more confession into our prayer life. We confess that we don't confess. And so, Father, we ask your forgiveness and we ask that we will incorporate more confession into our prayers. And Father God, as we uh, think of our world and our community here and our our church and the people in our families and our friends and, and, and just all that's going on, Lord, help us to bring all these worries to you. Help us not to lean on our own strength, but help us to recognize that you are the powerful one 
and that we can lay all our requests before you, knowing that you will not give us a scorpion if we ask you for an egg, that we will not give us a stone if we ask for bread. So, Father God, thank you for the opportunity to pray. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.